0: Welcome to the Ben Beard Show, brought to you by Red Cliff Homes. Welcome to the Ben Beard Show. Our guest today is Steve Weaver with EASE, and that means something special that Steve will explain to us here in a moment. Steve, welcome to the show today.
1: Well, thank you very much. appreciate it.
0: Tell us, what does the name EASE mean?
1: Well, for? it's an acronym. Uh, it stands for Eagle Accessibility, Solutions, and Equipment okay and eagle i'll give you a little bit of the story eagle is because i'm an eagle scout and it also represents freedom uh, which is something we want to provide our clients and then the rest of it kind of explains what it is we do
0: okay cool so t- tell me what it, what is what is it that you're you do your business stuff
1: so what we do is we make home safe and accessible for people with disabilities and those aging in place or living in place is the term we prefer. Really it's an all inclusive term that it allows anybody with any ability to stay in their own home for the rest of their lives.
0: Awesome. And so I think you and I got connected through Eric Listu, who's a past guest on the podcast and runs yeah. the Living in Place Institute. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Okay. Yeah, I am a uh, CLIP graduate, and uh, that is one of the many certifications that I have as it pertains to accessibility, but uh, it is my most coveted, uh, largely because I think the curriculum is the most inclusive and comprehensive available. Okay. Not missing okay. any of the other ones, but I just really have a, a favorite.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. So how did you get into that uh Fairly niche industry. Yeah, uh,
1: well, it was nothing I ever thought was going to happen when I was a kid. But uh, when my daughter was born uh, a little over 23 years ago, uh, she was born with cerebral palsy and uh, turned my world upside down, inside out and every other way you could imagine. And at the time, I had been climbing the corporate ladder uh, at a very well-known high-tech company down the Bay Area. Uh, and uh, as Stephen Covey would say, I was climbing the ladder to find it leaning against the wrong wall. And really, when uh, when Cassie was born, it just changed everything. So uh, the byproduct of that part of the journey is realizing that we needed many of the things that uh, our home needed to be made in an accessible. Uh, bathrooms were of course the most important thing to give her showers and personal hygiene that type of thing and I just at the time there was nobody I could find that I trusted my home to uh, my daughter to or frankly who gave her the respect uh, that that I wanted so it really kind of I call it the holy six by six hit me over the head and made me realize well okay I guess I should be doing something quite a bit different and that was over eighteen years ago, and here we are.
0: Wow! So you really changed the whole course of your career just to, to essentially to meet your own need. Yeah, and to meet,
1: need. yeah, to meet the need that I realized existed for our whole community because all of all the other people that we were uh, growing up with simultaneously with Cassie and the various therapies and their all the things that we would do, uh, they had the same problem. And, uh, you know, many of the people around here at that time were not licensed, um, or weren't properly licensed. And it was not, uh, it just didn't ever feel right. So if there were guys around here that were doing it at that time that I didn't meet, well, um, no harm, no foul. I didn't know. them. <laughs>
0: okay. So what, what do you do differently than a, you know, a typical remodel contractor?
1: Well, I think the thing that really sets us apart is just understanding the journey, and I, I there isn't anything terribly special about what we do because, frankly, I think there are. And while we, I'm, as humble as I'm going to try to be at this, um, I also have a little bit of bragging rights that we've won a number of awards at a national level for the work we do uh, through the. National Home um, Association of Home Builders (NAHB) for CAPS uh, Certified Aging Place Professional um, wow. Specialist, and uh, let's see what the um, and then through NARI, the National Association of Remodelers Industry, we've won the uh, Contractor of the Year award at the national level for universal design bathroom, and those uh, those awards. really nice i appreciate them very much uh but i know that there are other contractors out there that are excellent at what they do really really high quality probably better than us i'm not you know is it possible absolutely um what makes us different is we've been on the journey and we've always been open to creative problem solving and i would love to work with any contractor out there that. It has the attitude and the aptitude uh, we like to say to, uh, to take on a project like this but doesn't necessarily know exactly what to do. Well, that's one of I have a lot of value is is being able to help consult and almost be a subcontractor for for them. Uh, we've done that a number of times locally and uh, something I, I have a passion for.
0: Well, congratulations on the awards. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so let's, uh, geez, there's so many things you just said that I want to dive into. <laughs> okay. Well, So you're, you're a, a remodel contractor yourself, but then right. you also kind of consult with if somebody decides, Hey, I, I want to work with this other remodel contractor, but, I but he doesn't know the first thing about living in place. I want you to come in and, and kind of teach him how to do this right.
1: Yep, exactly. You, you offer that
0: additional service as well.
1: Right, yep. Okay,
0: cool.
1: Our favorite thing to do is work with what I, I call the trifecta, but it's this this idea is supported extensively in the CLIP training, uh, which if there was anybody that was interested in doing, in fact, I have a, a really good friend. He's like, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, okay, well, the first thing you do is get your clip get your certified living in place professional that um will So you
0: recommend that before getting a contractor license and before uh, anything go yeah. through that.
1: you know yeah because i think the 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 curriculum in and of itself is going to help now i'm assuming in in that scenario my friend was uh, is already a contractor on the east coast he's in new york uh, so he's absolutely zero competition for me right now, anyway. But I'd actually love to—I'd <laughs> love to help him. Um, and uh, I, I even help guys locally. The—the um, uh, the point of all that is that I think Clip is a great, great place to start to get familiar with the general concepts and the, the curriculum, the—the the thing that they support, and what I was starting to say there a moment ago is that working with an occupational therapist, they're the ones that are allowed to evaluate a person. Uh, I can evaluate a building, but I can't evaluate a person. Now, I, I, I learned vicariously about a lot of things about my daughter, but that does not make me qualified or legally allowed to evaluate a person. So it's very important from a liability perspective and just as a, a, a teamwork perspective, to have an occupational therapist involved so that they can give me the the crystal ball, if you will, about what the individual needs, what works best for them, what the future holds, those types of things. Then the other person that plays a big part in this uh, would typically be a, a designer. A uh, designer is great because they can bring in all the, the elements that make a well, the way I call it is, it's how to keep a house looking like a home and not a hospital. That was my passion. That's what I've started with eons ago. And um, whenever I'm allowed to do it, man, it's 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 really awesome because we can take we can take something pretty pretty basic solution and make it look awesome. And that that to me provides what I like to give all my clients is dignity, opportunity, and respect. Because mm-hmm. isn't that really ultimately what we all want, whether we're able-bodied or not? Yeah. And that's what I wanted for my daughter. So there you go.
0: So essentially you are a general contractor on a mission.
1: <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, I like that. I am on a mission. The advocacy and comes out, my, my logo is kind of cool. There's a uh, a shield with the handicap logo in the that makes up that shield. And for me, what where that came from was defending and advocating for my loved ones, my daughter, my parents, and the whole community. So I use that in my business to express, uh, you know, that the shield is emblazoned on an eagle, uh, kind of a phoenix-looking eagle, uh, which is kind of meaningful, too, because we have risen from the ashes, I don't know how many times, <laughs> So it's just a neat, uh, it's a neat, you know, really heartfelt build business and the advocacy that comes into play when I can help my clients and teach them how to advocate for themselves and what to ask for. And then, frankly, that's a big part of the consulting that I do is help both the client and the contractor and everybody understand, okay, well, this is what's possible. This is how to ask for it. And here's maybe a technical way to solve that problem. One of the key things on that note is zero thresholds, not only in a bathroom going into the shower, which was probably one of the most obvious things, but a little story behind this. My dad, when he was in a care home, um, they had laminate flooring and between the rooms, they had the transition strips and you're very familiar with them everybody's seen them and they're, they stand about a quarter inch or so above the, the level of the adjoining floor but he'd go over that in his uh, wheelchair that had small casters on it. And uh, he would wince in pain every single time he'd had to go over it because, you know, at that point in his life, he didn't have a whole lot of muscle or fat tissue left on his body. So it was really bone down to the, down to the skin. And it was very jarring for him. And, you know, that there are ways to mitigate all of those things uh, so that they aren't an issue for our clients and our loved ones and that's that's one of the things i think that helped me win one of the awards is just an amazing transition between a hallway to a a bathroom that there's no transition whatsoever
0: Hmm. that's neat so i want to go back and talk a little bit more about your your background so you were climbing the corporate ladder did you have previous construction experience
1: no, not really. I mean, I was, uh, you know, a weekend warrior. I did a lot of stuff on my own. I had always helped my dad around the house growing up and fixing things. And it was always, you know, when it goes back to just being really good with my hands and and uh, and I like to call it creative problem solving. Something that, you know, now I understand to call it. God's gifts. I, I know a few of the gifts that He's given me, and that's that's one of them. I was just blessed with the ability to to do this stuff, and you know, I'm so uh, OCD <laughs> that I want to make sure that everything looks great. So I don't uh, I don't settle for. It's always let's get it let's get it right. And my guys. Know what I want, and they they live up to my expectations, and often surpass them, and it's it's great. I have a great team. Yeah. The favorite awesome. person on my team is my son. He's now uh, he'll be 26 this year, and he'll soon have his own license, and uh, he's he's basically able to run a day without my being involved, and just calls me occasionally now. It's it's very very cool. He's he's bringing more to the table. At this point, than you know, in his getting a license, than I did when I got mine.
0: Um, he, he's huh. very, very good.
1: Not no, you snakes. can't. Have
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> so, will he plan to uh, t- take over the family business now?
1: Very likely. He's our project manager. Um, he is also, you know, he studied uh, business uh, business administration and management. Uh, with a minor in project management and uh, yeah he's he's well equipped to be able to do pretty much anything he wants but he's really good at this he's great with the clients and I think that's the other thing that gives us an edge and I just would want anybody out there who's listening that you know if they're involved at all in in serving the community always treat with the client with the utmost respect and treat them like you'd treat any loved one uh, and look them in the eye and listen to them. Even if they can't talk, just listen to them, look them in the eye and let somebody else, if somebody else has to speak for them, that's fine. Maintain your eye contact with the person that is being served, not the person who's actually talking in that case. It's kind of a nuance, but it really makes a difference. Okay.
0: Interesting. So, you 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 were handy. You jump into this, and yeah. uh, what what was the process for you for for those that are you know looking for a new direction in life or, or a young person that's thinking about joining the construction industry? What yeah. what was the process for you, uh, especially being in California to uh, to go get your contractor's license and, and yeah. get into it?
1: Well, California is a fun place. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I mean, that's somewhat sarcastically, but, uh, you know, we have great weather, but we have a lot of government um, intervention with everything that we do, uh, particularly in the, the contracting world. Um, and it's a, a blessing and a curse. Uh, it's supposed to help with the, the Department of Consumer Affairs oversees all contractors. And the idea is that they weed out the riffraff. And I suppose at some level they do. Uh, But that does not mean that everybody's good or qualified. You have to do your research. And to become a contractor um, in California, you have to have a minimum of four years experience or uh, a higher education um, that'll shave off a couple years or a trade school, something like that. Um, But in almost all cases, Somebody has to sign off on the fact that you've been doing the work. So, another, if you want to be a general contractor, then another general contractor has to sign off on the fact that you've been doing the work. If you want to be a plumber, then a plumber, so on and so forth, right? So, um, I was very fortunate that a, a gentleman, uh, Mark, uh, kind of local to us here, he took me under his wing and I helped him on a number of jobs. And he's Supervised me to some extent while I did a few on my own and uh, and then he signed off on me no problem and I had to study for the test take the test and uh, I passed of course Um, so here we are Um, so if somebody out there is interested in becoming a contractor you know reach out to somebody local Uh, there's probably if depending on what their age is if they're in high school that's awesome uh, there should be some work programs available um, they're in uh, you know trade school or even in in college I think a business degree is actually not a bad thing to have because there's so much business law associated with what we do as contractors that's really the number one thing they're testing for on the the test anyways to make sure that you will treat the customer uh, legally and you know, follow through on what you said you're going to do. So that's the greatest tip I have for anybody taking that test is always think about it from the perspective of the customer and whatever the, whatever benefits the customer, even though it might suck for you as the contractor, that's probably going to be the right answer is to, <laughs> to lean for, for the customer. Cause that, that's the way they should be treated as yeah. well.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it, you start got your license, started your business. Now you're you're fully licensed general contractor in the state of California, but you just choose to only focus on, um, on the accessibility type projects. Is that right?
1: Yep. Yeah, it's okay. part of our brand. Um, I am. We've never done anything other than that. Well, that's not entirely true. I guess when I started out, I was doing a couple remodels. Um, here and there just to, you know, make ends meet because it's not like it's an easy uh, market to break into. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> there's some on, off, online conversations we can have, and there's some offline conversations we can have. But the, um, it is an interesting industry. And the thing that uh, allowed me to get here was perseverance for one i just i got to the point with some of my clients uh, early early on that, that weren't part of that community of disability and they were asking for things that weren't unreasonable they were good people um but i just my heart wasn't in it i just you know when they were pointing out a a, a slight flaw in uh, the drywall i'm like okay Compared to what the rest of the families that I was working with were having to deal with, it it didn't really. I didn't. I didn't uh, align with that at the time. So, you mm-hmm. know, well, I fixed the problem, of course, but um, it just seemed like uh, some of the things that they were complaining about in their own life were just like not even in comparison to what some of the other families I was serving. So, bottom line, I just got to the point where I wanted the brand of the business to serve only people with disability. I didn't want it to be a, I don't even know how to explain what <laughs> the, the yeah. words escape me at the moment, but but it, either, like, again, there are some great, great contractors out there uh, that do very high-end work. And um, I think that if they are interested in serving this community, then I'd love to help them, I'd love to help them, as long as they have the right attitude and the right aptitude for it. And I think their aptitude would already be there because they, they're they already doing a great, great job. And it just may not understand the importance of why that bump is really a pain, a literal pain for some people.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, on the one hand, it's uh, the fact that you're so specialized is kind of a, an advantage in, in a lot of ways because you're, you have a very clear target audience, um, but then it's, it's also a pretty niche community. How do you feel it's different as far as, uh, you know, marketing? I, I would assume there's probably a fair amount of kind of community um, and mouth to mouth has got to be huge in your specific niche.
1: I think, yeah, definitely. Um, we have, uh, we have the advantage of being plugged into one, one element of the disability community, but of course there are so many different facets. Uh, and I just haven't had the, the bandwidth to approach all of them or the staff we're growing, you know, um, uh, but it is a niche market and one that, uh, we I think because we brand ourselves solely as the accessibility people uh, not a tagline but just a, but yeah that uh, that that people appreciate that uh, they trust us a little bit more they know and that's a that's a pro and a con with the way I've got the business set up is we do all the work ourselves we don't sub out much of anything it's pretty rare that we do that and the benefit of that is that our client always know who who's going to come into their home and uh, everybody that works for us, you know, obviously their son, uh, but the other guys, they've either have had somebody in their family with disability or they've grown up around it. Uh, so they're all familiar and they all give my clients that respect. So I never, ever have to worry about somebody being offended by <laughs> by the things that you know bodily functions of some people that have disability do things my daughter used to drool uh it's pretty characteristic of people with cerebral palsy to not have uh, good control over their oral secretions and um, you know I would not tolerate any of my guys being offended by that because that's just the way it is. I actually have a funny not so funny story about that there was a there was a, um, somebody working with my daughter who was actually a, uh, a therapist, and uh, she came out one day with uh, holding a rag at arm's length in disdain, going, her drooling is impeding my ability to work with her. And I was like, really? <laughs> You're fired. Uh, unbelievable that there are some people that get into this line of work thinking that it's all going to be... Uh, Roses, it, it, it isn't, it isn't, but it's, it's totally worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, that is interesting. People can get into that field without realizing what they're getting into. Yeah. Um, and, and really, truly wanting to be there. That's a, a, a very special industry, I think, because generally those that are successful and are in it for the long haul are, are very committed and, and want to be there. Mm -hmm. that conscious choice so that's really neat that you guys have have built that business and you've been able to find and surround yourselves with a team that is totally bought in and aligned on that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah very very proud of my my uh my team for sure
0: that's great so after 18 years what is your role in the company look like today
1: well i you know i kind of the the uh, the figurehead, the CEO, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, uh, you know,
0: <laughs> you, you, but, you got a little bit uh, away from corporate America, huh? We yes, a CEO well, or whatever.
1: Yeah, I, I got away from corporate America to just kind of get right back into it in my own little version of it. But um, but, you know, Cassie taught us uh, Cassie taught us the importance of quality versus quantity. We uh, she she blessed us for six, 16 years uh, and she passed away rather unexpectedly. It'll be seven years ago this June. And that indelible mark that she made on all of our lives uh, continues to this day. And the I can't imagine my life any other way than it is because of. The ability to work with people that I you know I did not know anything about disability before Cassie was born I never went out of my way to pick on anybody I never went out of my way to help anybody I just kind of was there Mm -hmm. but then when Cassie opened my eyes to it it's like oh my gosh you know there's a real person here. And and I knew, yeah, I knew that of the other people. I always gave them respect, but I just didn't, I never got involved. And now it's just my passion to help wherever I can. So my role now, to answer your question, I think my role now is more just to educate and advocate. Um, I'm taking on a more educational role in addition to, you know, occasionally swinging the hammer. I was working on a job earlier today. Um, you know, I fill in where, where it needs to be filled in and, and help out. But with Nick, uh, my son and the rest of the team doing so great, um, you know, I don't need to be on the job every single day. And that gives me the more and more of the freedom to uh, pursue some marketing opportunities and and some education opportunities and help other people, which ultimately isn't that what we're here for. I mean, that that to me is what it's all about. So um i'm really starting to find my place in that and it it feels really good
0: yeah that's great this this is not a direction i typically go with a podcast but it just popped into my head and if you're not comfortable talking about it we can we can always just edit this part out um (laughs) but i'm curious um you know general contracting generally is is a tough business um financially can be um very rewarding but also can be very stressful at times if you would talk a little bit about uh, are, are your margins about the same as um and I ask this more not in your specific niche but as a niche general contractor do you feel like your margins are about the same as as a um typical remodel general contractor do you feel like they're better because you you are such a niche business well, I,
1: I'm happy to answer any question. Uh, it's just, are you prepared for the answer? So <laughs> that one's not that hard to answer. Uh, I actually, because I wasn't a general before all this, and I didn't spend a whole lot of time in the industry uh, at all before this, I don't really know how how do my margins compare to a non-niche bi- business, uh, because I haven't spent a whole lot of time. Now, one of the greatest resources I've ever had, uh, and this was my, my friend Mark, who took me under his wing and um, made, made me his prodigy, uh, he, uh, he also introduced me to uh, Michael Stone of um, Construction Profit, uh, CPR, forgotten what CPR stands for, Construction Profit resources, something like that. He's going to smack me. Michael's going to smack me now because I didn't say it right. But anyway, Michael Stone and uh, Devin um, have uh, published some really important books on markup and profit. And uh, I have spent many, 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 many hours with uh, Michael and Devin in uh, different venues. And uh, the first time was at a JLC live conference up in Oregon. And there have been many since that but that initial introduction into understanding the numbers behind the business and making sure that there is always a profit margin that was a hard one for me to to really get because I I came from a place where I I really had a hard time charging for this because and I unfortunately I ran it more like a charity for quite a while than I needed to i the bottom line is you have to make a profit in order to stay in business so that you can help the next person and i understand that now um in spades and uh, i think our margins are you know they fluctuate at times uh depending on what it is we're doing uh we're certified installers of specialty equipment and sourcing the product selling it installing it that's that's our best deal uh but most people need their bathrooms accessible and that's where we we spend quite a bit of time remodeling bathrooms and there's some efficient ways to do that. There's some inefficient ways to do that and I've had to do them all. Um, and I'm charging enough now to keep us afloat. Now COVID, of course, that made things really tough. Um, the all of my clients, a year and a plus ago, were freaked out understandably and we would have been as well if Cassie was still with us Um, so we appreciated that and I had to make a tough choice like do we take the PPP do we take any kind of a loan do we and at the time it was all of those things were considered loans and we were in a place we had just finished our best quarter ever and it was looking to be a really great year and then COVID pretty much killed it, but because we were um, doing so well, we chose not to take a, a loan, and we um, stayed stayed afloat just from our uh, our install base needing emergency things, like, you know, uh, motors need to be reset, you know, it's the same thing as your car needs to be serviced when the, the oil light comes on, or you know the maintenance light comes on. Well, the same thing is true of these overhead lift motors and the other things that we serve. So we had to continue working for our clients, but on a much reduced scale. So I protected the employees by putting putting them on furlough, and I protected the business by shutting down effectively everything we were doing. And uh, you know provisions were made, and we we're still here, and we're still and we're absolutely back in full swing.
0: Great, that's great. Well, and and I'm curious about that because I think, um, you know, kind of the attitude you started with was I, especially serving that community, you don't you never want to be uh accused of taking advantage of people, or um, and that's that's a hard line to walk to say, you know what, I have to make a profit to run a business, but I I also want to serve these people and and help these people that maybe can't get a um appropriate help from some from anybody else right are not going to get that level of care and service that that your business offers for for that special need Yep. Yeah. so now you got uh, it what's
1: that So no you got it you you you, you hit it right in the, on the head
0: well um steve what do you see are the are the biggest challenges facing the construction industry today?
1: <laughs> well, I think the biggest challenge right now is what's happening to our our the economy and uh, the pricing of all the materials. And just the other day, I had to get some uh, OSB for uh, the shower project we're doing, and and uh, what used to be twenty seven dollars is now sixty seven dollars a sheet. And it just blew me away, you know, and, you know, $8 for a two by four that used to be four. Uh, All those prices, all the things that are happening. And even though some people don't call it inflation, it's it's inflation. uh, And that has to transfer to somebody else. So that's obviously... A big problem. The other huge, huge problem, and the one that I'm kind of immune to because I've got such a great team, I'm I'm really going to toot the horn for my guys because they're just so wonderful that they actually show up every day and, and work and want to work and they love my clients and I'm, I'm spoiled. But that same friend I told you about on the East Coast, he cannot get anybody to work because it's easier for them to sit at home and and collect the unemployment or what have you, than it is to to get up and and you know do a job, mm-hmm. and that is the biggest challenge that I think moving forward, no matter what happens with the the economy, because that'll come and go. But we don't yeah. have a lot of young people coming into the trades, um, and that means that all of us dinosaurs are as as we drop off. Uh, who's going to be there to replace us at who's got any set of skills or whatever so that i think is the real big problem that we're going to face as an entire industry not just not just even the one i'm in but the entire so
0: yeah yeah um what do you see are the biggest opportunities for the industry today
1: the construction industry in general um (laughs) i well i think i think the more people that understand the wave of the present which is the uh you know the number the number of people that are going to multi-generational homes uh, additional dwelling units and um, uh, making their homes forever homes so that they can Stay there without having to go into a nursing home, which always costs just so much more. And I, I just recently gave a presentation on this, and so the statistic of, you know, over seventy-six percent of the people want to stay in their own home. They're not interested in going into a, a care home. It's, it's not actually one hundred percent. Some people are looking for a community environment, and they can get that if they go into a. a some kind of a retirement or care home Uh, my dad was a good example he lived on the end of a quarter mile driveway in a fairly remote area and didn't have any what's called natural support so there was nobody living next to him to to help him out (laughs) and he was very very social uh but he couldn't get it and at the point that point he couldn't drive anymore so for him the the best thing well, it might have been good for him to live in, you know, in our home as a multi-generational, but I don't think that would have worked out very well with the demands we had for taking care of Cassie and, and so forth at the time. And he needed quite a bit of support. Um, and it, he was so social, I think it was better for him to be in a uh, retirement home. So he's, he was part of that 24% that actually was probably better off in in that kind of environment because it was like a cruise ship just a stationary version of it there Mm -hmm. for the first few years. Um, But I think getting back to the point, I think the more people that uh, figure out that people want to age in place, live in place, uh, be an inclusive environment, make all homes visitable, that's the opportunity. And that that's that's, of course, the banner, the torch I'm going to continue to carry because it's important. You know, why should somebody not be able to visit? I mean, we had the hardest time taking Cassie to see her in-laws because they lived in a they lived in a very well-known retirement community, age 55 and older, um, that uh, had active living. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. that's great for when you're 55 and you get to the golf course and so forth and you're still able bodied. but there were, I think, no less than about six steps just getting up to the front door and then thresholds and then a curb in the shower and just all these impossible spaces in an active retirement. Even in an active? Yeah. And it just blew me away. It's like, you know, the the least expensive time to build things to be accessible is when the house is being built in in the beginning. You can do a curbless shower at the beginning much more easily than remodeling one in. You can do three foot doors all the way through the house instead of having all these obnoxious different size doors, some of which are way too small for for getting a wheelchair with you know manual uh, control. You know a lot of skin knuckles if you're not careful. So make if you if we as an industry standardized on three foot doors, then. It would be a known quantity everybody should be able to get through that without a problem and it probably would drive the cost down because all the doors would always be the same it's like none of the variables of okay here's a 28 there's a 30 there's a 32 there's a you know yeah just weird oh uh, that's a, that's a good
0: point because i thought that it drives me nuts that there's 18 sizes of allen wrench and you know screws and those kinds of things but on on a much bigger scale yeah why not just make all doors one size and yeah, they can all be
1: made to look different but they can if they were all the same size and the problems problem is solved
0: yeah yeah interesting okay um well steve let's talk about you mentioned having won some some awards with the national home builders association um i assume that you were fairly heavily involved in in the nhb and, and similar trade groups tell me about uh, your journey of continuing education and involvement in professional groups like that
1: yeah well that was um caps the certified aging in place specialist is under the national association of home builders uh, umbrella and i've been at caps for yeah Wow, long, long time, probably 15 years now. Um, and so, this is an award for uh, best overall caps design and also the best bathroom. And that was just this spring that we won that um, for a really neat project. Um, we made a, a pretty neat, really neat master bathroom that will work for anybody forever. It just Absolutely gorgeous and it allowed me to implement just about everything I wanted to do. Um, there were a couple of things that were constrained by budget and constrained by design choice, but that's okay. Uh, and they, the other organization I've been more involved with, other, other than, uh, well, so NARI, the National Association of Modelers Industry, uh, that has a Contractor of the Year award. Uh, which we won a year ago for universal design. And so the curriculum there, they have a number of education programs, which are quite good. Um, But the one that I'm spending most of my time, yeah, the one I'm spending most of my time with is the uh, Living in Place um, Institute and the certification, Living in Place Professional, and just other elements of, that group, we're, we're extremely well networked. Uh, those of us who've chosen to be involved are, you know, I, I call myself in my bio, I call myself an accessibility nerd and I'm surrounded by other peers who are on par with that uh, description. They, they they really are into this uh, for all the right reasons in my humble opinion. And it, it makes it really easy to connect and network and help make it to change for, the entire community of all of North America by being connected with these other people that hasn't happened in, uh, in the other organizations. Um, I did get involved uh, for a while there with Neri. I helped, uh, redesign the uh, curriculum for universal design certified professional. Uh, but you know, that was, uh, limited in what we could do and, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty well covers it.
0: <laughs> so, and I know you kind of just, just spoke to this a little bit, but what do you see are the benefits of a, you know, a new contractor? Why should they spend the time and money to, to join an association like the national home builders or, or similar organizations? Well, I, yeah,
1: I'm still part of a, um, contractors, uh, builders exchange out here, uh, that was the first thing that I joined. And then, you know, I've joined a few other groups over the time. But one of the things it does is it gets you connected with other professionals. And uh, I get he also gives you some level of uh, validation that you're, you're really in it. You're in it to win it. That You're not just uh, chucking the truck, trying to make a buck um, that you're not only making a buck, but you're trying to make a career and Mm -hmm. that you're doing, you're investing in yourself. It's important to have the right tools, but it's also important to have the right uh, resources so that you can become a tool. I actually call myself a tool all the time in all the, (laughs) all the ways that that means. Uh, But I do it, you know, tongue in cheek, but it's also true. I've got a lot of connections now and a lot of ways I can help people. Uh, and be a tool for them that, to make a difference. So getting plugged in to what it is you love and learning more about it is the thing that's really going to help anybody
0: at bands. Awesome. Well, Steve, what's the best advice you've ever received professionally?
1: In this arena, I think the best advice was the one that Mark told me to to get connected with Michael Stone. And that has opened up the doors for me in, in education and in connections with some other really high quality contractors who, that's how I met the guy in New York, uh, just as a side note. So, so Ernie, if you're listening, uh, glad you're my friend. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had to figure out how to listen to him though with that really heavy accent, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty funny. But he's uh I think the connections that come from being involved and getting the education is is the best advice that i had that gotten from Mark. And so I'm grateful to him for that.
0: Love it. Uh, well similarly, who would you say you've learned the most from throughout your career?
1: Ooh. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna there's so many people I mean this would be like the Academy Awards. I'd be here for quite a while trying to think of everybody to thank, Uh, you know, Mark, Michael, uh, Eric, and Louis, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Um, But I'm really going to give all this credit to to Cassie and and to God, but Cassie just made it possible for me to understand what's most important in life. And I get to apply that rule of quality versus quantity on everything I do now every single day. So having that as a benchmark is the thing that makes sure that we do a good job, that we work with our clients well, that we don't, you know, yeah, there are going to be frustrations, but let's work through those frustrations and try to make it a positive experience for everybody. Um, Yeah, I'm going to give mostly credit to her. (laughs) <laughs> okay. even though she never spoke a word she just uh, altered my life in monumental ways wow
0: oh, that's neat i i kind of guessed you might you might say
1: that but i <laughs> i figured i'd ask the question that predictable huh that's
0: <laughs> yeah. no, great i mean it just shows your your heart for for what you do and the people that you work with and that's
1: awesome yeah, i appreciate you phrasing it that way that's nice
0: well, Steve, if you could go back to your first um, first construction project when you started your business, what kind of uh, advice would you give to yourself?
1: <laughs> Run. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, it was it, take a deep breath. Use the resources you have available to you. And just keep plugging away. It's all worth it. Um, you know there were times when i was in over my head but just continuing to work towards the goal and ask the questions and not just i never made up anything that's that's i didn't want that responsibility to make a mistake um and it's okay to make mistake as long as you learn from it but i didn't want to make a bunch of mistakes that anybody would have to suffer from you know catastrophic and otherwise so there was a huge learning curve on on some of those and uh and yet those types of experiences taught me things that you know it's like well if I can do that I can do anything and it's kind of the overcoming those those mountains of of challenge you know, getting up to the top of it and go, oh wow, okay, I'm at the top of Mount Everest. Is there anything higher? No, there isn't. But you know, I guess Mars. Uh, you know, what's next? I. It just gave me the the wherewithal to remember that we can do anything when we put our mind to it and just have the right people under our at at our at the end of the phone to ask. And if, if nothing else say, can you just console me for a few minutes? (laughs) So, you know, we're not supposed to do any of this journey alone. And I think trying to be independent in the contracting world is a dangerous thing. You really need to have some people you can turn to and ask for help and say, Hey, I ran into this problem. What would you do? Uh, There's some Facebook groups that I remember member. A member of that i'm just learning so much uh just by watching the what other people are asking and how other people are answering and so forth it's it's pretty impressive
0: yeah
1: that's neat you never ever stop learning you you know who's it i can't remember who said this it's probably somebody like einstein i think or, or along those lines but when you stop learning you start dying uh, something
0: mm-hmm. of that effect
1: and yeah. it's true i mean you just keep learning all the time embrace it
0: yeah Yep. i agree with that 100 percent. well steve how can people get a hold of you how can people find out more about what you do and and uh, follow your your career in, in business
1: well if anybody's interested in reaching out to me i'm more than happy to to talk to them um you know the emails of a great way uh just don't expect me to get back in the same day because it's i i'm old-fashioned i don't like to get my emails sent to my phone uh so i get them when i get back to the office um but uh with that in mind it's uh my first name is steve at access with and uh you know I, I don't know do you want me to give out a toll-free number or sure. what else uh, my toll free is 1-800-327-3650. Okay. And uh, either, either of those two ways are, are pretty good. I think on Facebook, you can look up my business page, um, access with ease, but uh, you know, I am not great. Even though I have a marketing uh, g- degree, I'm not great at <laughs> at keeping Facebook or my website up to snuff i'm at, my website's in the process of being redone and uh yeah it's just like anything else there's only so many hours in the day right
0: yeah so. yeah we're all busy so awesome well, we'll go ahead and include those things in the show notes i'm i'm excited to see your uh your logo that you talked about. Bragging about oh yeah great sounds great so thank you so much steve for for coming on the show today and sharing your experience and and uh what you do
1: All right. Well, thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. appreciate the opportunity and I hope I can, uh, I hope it was helpful. Thanks
0: for joining us today. I hope you got something from today's guest. Join us next week on the Ben Beard Show.